Good morning. How are y'all doing? Welcome to Memorial. My name's Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're grateful that you're um, here with us today. We've got, if you're a visitor today, we've got restrooms here. We've got donuts in the back and coffee uh, in the back. Your children uh, will come forward for a children's sermon and can go to um, uh, be with the leader of children during the worship service, and we'll come back right before the service ends. Um, a couple of announcements. Um, number one, if you have prayer concerns, make sure, if, and you'd like them to be shared with the church uh, during the service, or, uh, I'm sorry, and during uh, Tuesday prayer group, if you'll raise your hand, an usher will bring you a card. They, um, please write legibly and print, and uh, we'll share that during the service, and we'll also um, pray for them during Tuesday uh, prayer group. Um, a couple of announcements. Giving envelopes are... Um, uh, helpful to those who count our money during the week. If you would like to have a set of envelopes or, or if you uh, typically get them um, and have not received them, Anne is in the back and she has giving envelopes. Um, you can pick up your poinsettias today in the sanctuary after the 11 o'clock service. And uh, Christmas Eve, this Thursday, will be at 5.30 in the sanctuary. Um, for families that are unable to come to the service but will, he will be here, um, we have from 4.30 to 5.00, I'm going to be in the sanctuary serving communion. If you're, whomever comes in, I'll serve them communion. You can go to the kneeling bench uh, and pray if you like. Um, and then y'all can be... That's the good news. Um, there's a huge lot here that you're probably aware of. We have a huge lot on the other side of Church Street, and we also have the grass in front of that lot. Um, so if you are fully capable of walking fair distances, I would encourage you on Christmas Eve to park as far away as you can um, to help people who are um, either coming in late or having uh, difficulty uh, walking to get to that spot. Um, so I'll just remind you of that. I believe, oh, um, good news for the week. We purchased items needed for the organization of our church in the future. Um, Paige and Katie and I, and uh, Cindy is working on this worship service. Paige and Katie are working on security check-in systems. And I'm working on the ability for you to give uh, online. Um, we're going to take technology to a totally different level of organization in our church that I think uh, will benefit us all uh, greatly. I hope to do that pretty soon uh, in the coming year. Uh, so that's our good news for the week. I believe that's it, so let's uh, start our worship service. Please stand and sing with us.
up again this morning. I pray that as this season uh, draws closer to an end that we're faithful uh, to remember what you did for us uh, in coming down and becoming a child uh, and then dying on the cross for us most importantly, Lord. Uh, And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
children's sermon and lighting of the Advent candle. Oh, and please turn and greet your neighbor. for the language of love, Luke chapter 1, 5 through 13, 57 through 80. I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord, forever. With my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. I declare that your steadfast love is established forever. Your faithfulness is as firm as the heavens. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to my servant David. I will establish your descendants forever and build your throne for all generations. New life is coming. God is breaking through. We will all be changed by the language of love. The love of God is never ending. Today we light the candle of love. Good morning, y'all. Are y'all excited? This is such an exciting week, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I brought a couple presents to show y'all today. Do y'all have any presents at your house under the tree yet? Yeah? Yeah? You want to open them? I know. My kids want to open theirs, too. Well, do your presents under your tree look like this, or do they look like this? Like this? Yeah, you don't have any under your tree that look like this? Oh, you do? Oh, good, good. Well, uh, <laughs> well, if you had a choice, which one of these would you want to open? This one, you think? Why? You think it would be more fun? Yeah? Is it prettier, you think? Yeah, do you like the bow? Yeah, maybe. Huh? This one doesn't have a bow or anything, does it? Well, what if I told you that Inside this was nothing. It was just trash. It was just paper. It was just empty. 
And inside this, what if I told you it was like a wonderful present, something you've been wanting forever? Then you'd pick this one, you think? Yeah, yeah. But we wouldn't know that by looking at, at it, would we? No. Well, actually, hold on one second. I'm going to tell you what, I'm, what I want you to do. Well, a lot of people, y'all, miss out on the gift of Christmas, of what God sent to us. Because you know why? Because his gift to us didn't come in a beautifully wrapped package like this one, did it? God sent us his only son, Jesus, and that was his gift to us. His mother was very young. His earthly father was just a poor carpenter. And he was born in a stable. Not a very pretty package. But do you know what? It's the greatest gift that any of us have ever known and ever received. It was the gift of salvation. It has our names on it. But sadly, some people miss out on that because we talked about this, I think, last week. But we get so excited about all the other parts of Christmas that we forget about the real meaning, don't we? We get so excited about seeing stuff like this that we forget what's really important, right? Okay? So I have a challenge for you this week. I'm going to give each of you a brown paper bag, all right? I know that doesn't sound very exciting, but what I want you to do is I want you to try to come up with a really special gift for somebody special. Maybe your mom or dad or sister or grandmother. And listen, I know none of y'all have cars that can go drive. I'm not sure if you have a lot of money saved up or not, but that's not what's important. I don't know if you know this, but some of our favorite presents as moms are stuff that you guys make. Did you know that? Okay. So I want you to try to think of something you could do at home that would be a really special present for someone and I want you to put it in this brown bag okay can you guys do that for me this week yeah you're out of school you got plenty of time right okay before I give you this let's bow our heads and pray dear Lord we're so thankful that you loved us so much that you sent your only son to be our savior and it's in Jesus name we pray amen Prayer concerns that were lifted up to us as a member who has a brother with cancer and a nephew with a serious illness. And a prayer that people have home, have a home and food for Christmas. Let's pray together. <coughs> Heavenly Father, it's a complicated season in which we're hearing a story that we've heard many times trying to understand it in a new way this time. We have many things pulling on us. Some of us have family members that are ill or all of our family members are ill. We ask for your peace in this season. We ask for your joy. We ask for your love. Help us, Lord, not to sit back and expect you to be those things for everyone around us so that we can um, just rest. Help us, Lord, despite the number of things that are pulling on us in a number of different directions, to be the peace, to be the joy, to be the love 
that your son taught us. Inspire us this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We went to um, the Christmas Spectacular at the Peace Center with Katie's parents this week. And it was a combination of a number of things. It's the Greenville or- Symphony Orchestra, but it's also two uh, dynamic singers that are on Broadway. And then there'll be um, uh, ballet dancers that will come in periodically, and they just traded off what they were doing. So that it was, uh, it was always interesting, always fun. And the two Broadway singers sang Mary Did You Know with the orchestra, which is a beautiful song. Um, I saw a funny uh, thing on Twitter about it. One of, uh, it was a fellow minister, and he said, um, yeah, she knew. Did you read the Magnificat, the scripture that was before? Yeah, she knew. Maybe not a couple of these things, maybe not the absolute details, but she had a pretty decent idea. And what we're about to read is the reason. It's Mary singing a song, and her singing a song is in the tradition of um, women who previously were on the outside, didn't have a great chance at doing something they hoped to do, now being included in God's promise and doing something special. So with that in mind, listen to the text from Luke 1, starting with verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she explained, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb weeped for joy. So this is a welcomed guest. You ever get guests that you're not all that excited about? What's the difference between people that you are truly excited about coming and people are kind of like, well, think what you do when you have people that are truly special to you over. You either want to straighten or you want to clean. People are in one of those two categories. Um, Katie personally would like to clean. And if she spent four hours on the house, I might not notice any differences whatsoever. I love to straighten. I figure if the house is straight, clean's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal if this um, plate has smudges on it as long as the plate is where it's supposed to be. We've worked for a number of years on um, being okay with each other's tendencies and celebrating the thing that that person does in order to have people over. We want to make sure that we celebrate both aspects of it. You want to carefully consider all the elements that you need for a meal, whether it's something complicated or something simple. Um, Both of them are fun to have guests over. And sometimes you take out special dinnerware for the occasion. Sometimes uh, really fancy paper plates and cups. 
this house that we live in, you know, the parsonage is just right over there. And it's the first house that we've lived in as a couple that had a dining room. Therefore, because it has a dining room, we put out the break front. And the reason, and because we were able to put out the break front, we put out our china that we've toted in boxes that haven't been opened for the last four moves. Over and over and over again, we've toted, picked up these boxes with that same tape on them and taken them and put them down. And now we're able to take them out and actually put them out there and use them for a reason. So making your house nice and straight and clean, um, thinking about what would these people enjoy, what do we want to have, and taking out um, uh, dinnerware that's appropriate for those people and that occasion. These are things that we're doing to have people over, but why would we do that? Why bother doing that? Um, I Googled it and I asked, why would we have people over? And uh, <laughs> um, I think it was Larry David, who's one of my favorite comedians. He's the other guy behind Seinfeld, other than Jerry Seinfeld. And he asked, he said, that is the strangest practice ever, having people over and feeding them. And then they leave. But this author uh, said, connection, comfort, and relief. This is Becca Garber, uh, writes, an article, uh, uh, writes articles on home life. Getting beyond surface communication. Um, how much of your communication is surface communication? Probably a, a good bit of it. If you took out um, workplace communication that has a lot to do with what's going on, or um, logistics communication with the people that you have in your life trying to get them one place or another, a lot of it would be surface. When we have people over, you get in different corners, you can get a little bit deeper than you can in five minutes before something happens. Comfort. Easing up on the pressure of normal life. Um, you know, depending on whether you're introvert or extrovert, that may or may not happen, um, depending on the size of the crowd and depending on how the crowd's divided up. But comfort in the knowledge that there are other people out there like me, there are other people that are going through things, the same things I am. There are other people who laugh about the same things that I do, and somehow laughing about that thing that's incredibly stressful in your life helps you deal with it. Relief. Relief from the things that pull on us so hard, so often. You get together in someone's home and you laugh about it, you um, sit at the dinner table, you talk about something else. You've got an opportunity to pull these things that are um, pulling on you so hard to the ground. So how do those three things apply to this particular text? That article wasn't written in any way uh, for any sort of Christian slant. It was just a social article about having people over. Well, connection. Here's a woman who figured, there's no way I'm going to have a baby. I'm far too long. And a woman who figured, there's no way I should have a baby. I'm far too young. Both of them told this is going to be an entirely special baby, and they have a connection with one another. Um, there's comfort in knowing that, that they have each other. And maybe the slightest bit of relief in sitting around with one another and understanding this isn't, uh, the, the weight of this is not my full burden to carry. We've been given this opportunity to be instruments, but we don't have to carry it all. So here's your first quote. This is um, Judith Jones. She's a um, seminary professor, and she said this. 
By greeting Mary with honor, Elizabeth overturns social expectations. Mary is an unmarried, pregnant woman. She might expect social judgment, shame, even ostracism from her older kinswoman. So when she went into Zechariah's home, is what the text says, like Zechariah is the significant one. But actually, it's Elizabeth who's entirely significant. And her welcoming Mary in and saying, I want you to be a part of this household, is pretty much the opposite of the story of the woman at the well. Y'all know she goes there during the middle of the day, blazing heat of the day. There's no reason to go to the well and carry that huge thing in the middle of the day but for to um, avoid every other woman who's going to the well that day. I love going the opposite direction of the way everybody else is going. My girls will tell you that I want them to eat at 11 o'clock on Saturday so that when we go ice skating or when we go to the park or when we go to uh, whatever it may be, everybody else is abandoning ship. They're giving up at about 11.45, 12 o'clock, and we're just getting started. Or we're going before them, before the huge crowd, and then leaving. The woman at the well is doing that to avoid anyone being around her because they're all judging her for her position. Mary could be in that exact same spot. But Elizabeth welcomes her into her home and says, I want you to be here. You're special too. The scripture continues on verse 45. This is Elizabeth talking about Mary. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So the phrase that goes with this part of the text is a sacred practice. This is an entirely sacred practice. God reaching out to someone who's on the edge, offering them a far greater opportunity than they've ever been offered, and then their right to say, no, I don't want to do that, or no, that's crazy, or I could never pull that off, or whatever it may be, but then accepting it. What can I do to participate in this promise that God's given me? God calls out to people on the edge for... Um, Many reasons. Okay? God is setting the standard for inclusiveness. You know, there's any number of reasons why we would exclude someone as a group or as an individual. But God reaches out to those people who are on the edges, who have done something wrong, said something wrong, not done the right thing, or not said the right thing, or not born into the right family, or not born into the right nation or not given the best opportunity, God goes directly to those people and says, hey, um, you can go from zero to CEO of this operation. The other thing about um, reaching out to people on the edge is they have nothing to lose. I've shared this many times in many different settings. I can't remember if I've shared it with y'all in this particular setting. I think comedians really hit it on the nose more than just about anybody. They get the... Um, human condition. And Jim Gaffigan is a great comedian. He's uh, Catholic. 
he's in church all the time. His wife's in church all the time. And he makes fun of church all the time in a way that I think is fantastic. He says, uh, Jesus went to the disciples and says, I want you to leave everything behind. Okay, and ministers, talk, I've talked about that a hundred times, leave everything behind. And then one day I just heard Jim Gaffigan on Pandora, and he said, what, you mean his fishing pole? <laughs> you mean that? Oh, all right. <laughs> Go with him. I mean, he didn't have an extravagant lifestyle. Um, now, there's way more, there's obviously more than that. There's family, and there's responsibilities, and there's occupation. But he didn't choose rocket scientists building something major who had um, uh, a home that they weren't willing to leave. He chose people that were willing to walk away at this moment and go do something important. And another thing is, is also applies to these fishermen. Reaching out to people on the edge is unlocked potential. So um, my daughters are 12 and 10, about to be, about to be 12 and 10. So that means I've been coaching for almost seven years, different sports, primarily t-ball and basketball. And, um, you know, girls are different than boys. I don't know if you all know that. Girls are a little different than boys, especially in sports. Boys get there faster, as I understand, but girls listen more. Girls will actually try to be in the spot that you're talking about because they were listening when you were speaking rather than running to the spot in order to be first. So you can, uh, as, as a coach, when you have your team and you have your first practice, or um, I've even done things where um, trying to have balance among teams, we have all the dads lined up and we have all the kids and they do different drills and then the dads have a draft in order to try to get the best balance possible. So. The last time I did that, um, it was like that rule where you cut the cake. There was another dad in my age bracket and my gender, and I picked the teams, and he picked which team he had. Okay, so you look at them and you say, well, wow, that one can dribble, done. I mean, that's off the charts. Um, this one can shoot, this one can rebound. But you, when you get into the season, four or five games in, and that quiet one, does something amazing, really that's far more fulfilling, exciting, anything than, than victories to me. I mean, I love to win. I'm very competitive. But when you have a person who, you know, when practice started, you know, it's like this. And then, like, the fourth game in, you've taught them some concept, and they just get the ball and shoot it and make it. And you just go, wow, look at that. And then that person gets confidence because that's what was lacking, instruction and confidence. It's just like, wow. When you get the unlocked potential of a person, because every single human being has potential, and this person hasn't been used a lot, they're rested. It really is a powerful thing. Now, churches don't do a great job of that. They really sort of hammer the people that have already been doing something and shift them around and give them the same responsibilities while many people sit out there with unlocked potential. That's not a biblical practice. He says to Elizabeth, you're going to do something crazy? He says to Mary, you're going to do something crazy? And then they get together for dinner and talk about how crazy it is and why it matters. Here's another quote. 
Mary is blessed not only for her status as the mother of the Lord, but also for her trust in God's promise. That's a big deal, and it's not a given. Trust me when I tell you what's going to happen and how it's going to happen and how important your role is in making it happen. Um, Two weeks ago, actually the last two weeks, I've only preached in here. Um, Two weeks ago, I talked about Zechariah and... um, you know, he's doing the normal practices of lighting candles, and Angel Gabriel comes up and says, boo. <laughs> he says, hey, and he goes, ah. And he says, you're going to be um, the father of John the Baptist. And he says, hmm, how am I supposed to know this is going to work out? And he says to Mary, uh, Angel Gabriel says to Mary, um, you're going to be the father or the mother of uh, Jesus. And she goes, hmm. How could that be? But then both of them, ultimately, Mary gets to speak going forward. Zechariah doesn't. Say yes to the promise that's, um, that's being laid at their feet. When they say, how can this be? It's, um, it's just a human thing. It's, it's too big for us to process. It's too big, too big for us to understand. The dream is bigger than we are um, willing to take on especially with the number of things that are going on in our life already. Figure their lives are like our lives, just without the technology. Too big. But then she says, okay, let me see what I can do. Now, the first part of her Magnificat is is, um, joy. The second one has got a little violence in it. Verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud with their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. So mighty deeds are good. Scattering the proud humbling kings, setting aside the rich, these are things that when said to the greater public, you really, you know, we don't want to talk about that. Can we just talk about how God is loving and generous? Because we've got this occupying government, and the occupying government has frightening soldiers, and those frightening soldiers will do whatever it takes really to keep us in line and make sure that we not only sort of follow the religious leaders of our country, but definitely follow Caesar and anything that Caesar says. And this tiny, pregnant teenager is saying all this stuff, this structure that intimidates y'all, that frightens y'all, that holds you back, is going to be overturned. Of course, anyone in that moment would think, that's crazy. These are the most powerful people we've ever seen. And they can beat us anytime they want and make us do anything they want anytime they want. But it's pretty amazing how this little infant changes the course of the world. Here's your last quote. This passage shows God already at work to overturn the world's structures and expectations. So there's times when we um, root for the underdog. You know, uh, if, if you follow... Um, politics or sports or any, anything where you have a large gathering and you have an individual gaining support, where always when that person's coming up or that team is coming up, we go, 
oh yeah, I love this guy. He's, he's uh, dethroning these people that we're tired of. Until they get to a certain point and we go, this guy's full of himself. I think we ought to tear him down. Maybe he ought to get a taste of his own medicine by the new person coming up. Okay, when we look at major, major things, we say, yeah, let's do unseat them. Let's have an underdog win. But if we looked at it individually, and we looked at the structures that we love, the practices that we love, the words that we say that we want to keep saying, the lives that we live that we want to keep living, and we read Mary's words, and it says God is going to destabilize the things that we do. Then it becomes a little frightening. But changing ourselves to the very core in order to meet the promise that God is establishing is so much about what this season is about, Advent, and so much about what Lent is about leading into Easter. What are the structures that we put in place that make us feel comfortable but block the will of God? And how can we destabilize those? Verse 56. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. You know it was fun to be there together with those three months. You know what would also be crazy? Zechariah couldn't speak. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Like you think about your the person that you um, if, if you've had children you shared that time with, you go over to their house and the husband can't speak. Would that be awesome? I don't know. But I just think, I just think it's funny to break that down and think about that. Um, so those two, sitting with each other, dreaming with each other, providing each other comfort, love, support, understanding in this crazy, difficult change in their lives. How can we model that? How can we be with one another? How can we love one another in the midst of changing our lives? Let us pray. Gracious God, you have offered human beings the opportunity to do the right thing and to participate in your covenant of love since there have been human beings. And since there have been human beings, we've struggled. At times we've held it together, and at times we've done what you've said, and at times we've begged for something and then forgotten anything we ever said about it. Help us in this season, Lord, to understand the human condition, which is to run from you, which is to do our own thing, which is to say bad things about others in order to relieve pressure on ourselves, which is to be too busy. Because if we stop, we might think. Which is to spend too much. Because if we don't spend, we might have to think. Which is to go too fast. Father, slow us down. Give us peace. Give us joy. Help us to support one another in this season of preparation where we can understand what the true incarnation means of your Son coming to us. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand for our affirmation. Read that first phrase with me. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating 
who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We're about to um, collect our tithes and other offerings. I'll tell you um, briefly that I'm grateful for two really significant things. Um, We were a good bit behind when I got here um, financially, and we really have recovered from that spot and almost made it entirely up, and I'm grateful for your generosity in doing so. And in looking towards next year to see the pledges um, that the people have made so that we can do something significant in this community. It really is um, heartwarming, and I'm grateful for the promises that you've made for next year as well.
Please stand and sing with us. establish connection with those people that you see? What can you do to offer comfort to people who are ill this season? What can you do to offer relief? Do you see people, you see that look in their eye? What can you do to offer them relief? Ask yourself those questions, just simple little questions, simple little things you can do to be the love of God this season. Go in peace. May God who is peace go with you. Amen.
Have a great week.